what are those proverbial things that we can wear? Those postures, those attitudes, those practices that we can wear to find that kind of life that Jesus opens up for us. And so already we've got quite the closet full. We've looked at, I probably can't name them all, we've got hope, we've got indignation, we've got rest, we've got heart, we have gratitude, we have generosity. And today we look at one more, our second last one. But before we get to that, a word about next week. Because next week we are doing our Ask Anything Sunday. The last one we explore will be curiosity. So we're asking all of you, if you have questions that you've always wondered about God and faith and spirituality, about Jesus, if you've got something that you've been rumbling with for a while, in the link just outside in the hall, there's a box with a bunch of question marks on it. Um, Put your question in that. Uh, We need your questions. We're going to spend a morning just exploring and being curious and seeing what questions you have and just see where it takes us. So please, we need your questions for that to work. But today, we look at a posture and a disposition, or maybe even better yet, a practice, uh, that Jesus offers us that can draw us into the kind of humanity and life that we're here looking for. That life of faith and spirituality, that life connected with God, each other, and ourselves. And it's a practice that takes a huge amount of sweat and a huge amount of intention. But it's one where we find it, when we put it on, it helps us discover those sacred and divine things like change and growth and transformation. And so my friends, this morning, we'll find that thing by jumping into that story that Cameron read for us. We'll see how that story is our story. We're going to nerd out for a little bit, and then we'll end with a bit of wisdom that I think this story offers us. Does that sound all right? Shall we? All right, well, let's bow our heads first and start with a prayer. So God, this time's for you. It's for you to speak. You know what's going on in our lives and our worlds. And so may you give us each a good and hope-filled word. May you take these words of mine and speak through them and around them, underneath them. We ask that you do your thing. Amen. So there is a story in the Bible. You can actually find this one in three of the four Gospels. And the Gospels are those those accounts of what Jesus did and said that we can find in the Bible. And because it's in three of them, that tells us something pretty important that not only did this story probably actually really happen, but more importantly, that this story is a big deal. That for some reason, this story was, was kind of burned into their collective memory. That they saw something worth sharing in this story that's, that's related to the kind of thing that Jesus was trying to do. In the story, it starts off innocently enough. It starts off with a young man coming up to Jesus, And we're not told anything about this young man at first. And usually, usually when you encounter someone like that, that the the storytellers tell us nothing about, usually that's a sign they want us to put ourselves into that character. That they want this story to become our story. And so they intentionally leave some space within this character to see how we can fit into the character's role. And so the story begins with this man coming up to Jesus with a question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? 
Now, we've got to pull over here because this question is, oh man, it's, it's a big, huge question. Has anyone asked that question before? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Yeah, in one way or another, we've all asked that question. Another way we may hear this question, or another way we may have asked this question, is something like, what must I do to get to heaven after I die? Anyone asked that question before? Anyone ever wonder that one? Yeah, I'm sure most of us have. Regardless of whether or not we've grown up in the church, or if we've simply absorbed it through being in a Christianized culture, the general gist of all of this, of God, of church, of Jesus, is to get to heaven. It's to go somewhere after we die, this place somewhere other than here, this place where we can have eternal life, where we get to live happily ever after. I mean, that's the stock and trade of religion, isn't it? I mean, it's right there in the question. Inherit eternal life. That's what happens after death. And if that's the goal of all of this, then understanding what faith is and what faith is all about, it becomes pretty easy. It's doing what it takes to get to heaven. It's doing what it takes to, as the guy said, inherit eternal life. Again, it's right there. Inherit is what happens when someone loves us enough to give us something nice and special. And so that question kind of tells us. Faith is all about doing what it takes to make God love us so we can go to heaven after we die. Are you with me? Yeah, I think we all ask that question, don't we? We all kind of rumble with that sense of what faith is all about. And even in more progressive churches like ours, that notion is still there. It still operates in the background. It's in the hymns, it's in our sermons, it's in the art, it's in the air. It's baked in to all of this. And so when we read this question, when we hear the man ask it, maybe some of us are really glad that he's asking it. Maybe some of us are like, oh man, yes. I've been wondering about that too. I've got some anxiety about that. What must I do to get to heaven after we die? And I get that. I understand that. But here's the thing. That man and his question, he's not actually asking what we think he's asking when he's asking about eternal life. So if you'll permit me, Let's nerd out a little bit. When it comes to our scriptures, when it comes to stories like this one, there are generally two words that you see used for life. One of the words is psyche. And psyche is your earthy, tangible life. It's our physical aliveness. It's our literal time here on earth. It's what we lose when we die. And that's why this word can also be translated as breath. And psyche is our very biological, very physical, very earthy way of talking about life. And the other word is zoe. And zoe is way bigger than the psyche. It's the life underneath, the life around, the life beyond the psyche. If psyche is the tangible stuff, zoe is the intangible. If psyche is the, our physical aliveness, Zoe is going to be our spiritual aliveness. It's the very substance and very essence of life. And my friend Shane, he would describe it this way. Have you ever been talking on the phone with someone you loved, and you look at the clock, and it's, it's 8 p.m., and then 
three seconds later you discover that it's midnight? That ever happened to you? Yeah, that's Zoe. Time becomes irrelevant because life is so abundant. Or maybe you're at spin class and the instructor yells out, 30 seconds left, and it feels like it's like four hours. (laughs) Anyone ever experienced that? Yeah, that's Zoe. Time becomes irrelevant because life is so abundant. Or maybe you've been at the doctor. And the doctor says, oh, we found something on your breast and we won't know what it's going to be like for, for three more weeks. And you just wait and wait and wait and it feels like years. Anyone know what that's like? Yeah, that's Zoe. Time becomes irrelevant because life is so abundant. Or maybe you've worked with people less fortunate than you and something about it feels so right and so deep that everything else ceases to matter and your mind is just fully present. Anyone know what that's like? Yeah, that's Zoe too. Life becomes irrelevant because life is so abundant. Zoe is life abundant. It's what we call life that is truly and fully alive. And the thing about the Zoe, the thing about that life abundant, the thing people began to notice, and maybe you've experienced this too, is that when you tap into it, it's when you experience it, even if it's just for a small moment, everything changes. Our priorities shift, how we see changes, how we think changes. As one writer of the Bible, it changes how we live, move, and have our being. Or another writer of the Bible said, it's almost like we're being born again. When it comes to reading eternal life, Zoe is the word that they use. Zoe is talking not about life after death, but about life before death. Eternal life is a phrase that people use to describe life right here and right now that felt as though this is what life is meant to be. Not life free from pain and suffering, but life abundant. A life caught up in God's spirit. A life tuned into how God is moving in this world. A life connected to God, each other, and ourselves. A life full of those reverent things like hope, joy, peace, and love. Are you with me still? And so that's what this man is after. He's asking, how do I get that life? How do I get life abundant and eternal? And maybe that's one of our questions too. Anyone asking that question? You know, as good and legit as questions about the afterlife are, maybe this, if we boil it all down, maybe that's what we're more curious about. Because that question has a bit more meat on it. How do I experience this to ask the best this life has to offer? How do I tap into something bigger than myself? What's essential? What's not? How do I live into and through the heights and depths of my humanity? How do I be fully human and alive in this world? That's what the guy is asking about. That's what he's after. He wants to know how to create a life that hums with reverence. And so he goes up to Jesus because... Jesus. You know, if anyone has his needle to the record, it's Jesus. And he asks him, what what must I do? How do I get life abundant? 
And he's asking because, well, it kind of seems like he's stuck, doesn't it? Like nothing else is really working for him. He's followed all the commandments. He's been keeping them since he was a kid. He's prayed the prayers. He's gone to the temple. He's passed the test. He's followed the rules. But still, after doing all of that, that life he's after, it's still not happening. It's still out of his reach. He's not feeling it yet. He's still lacking it. You know, it's basically the spiritual equivalent of, I've done the diet, so why am I not in more shape? Anyone know what that's like? Anyone ever been in that place before? Anyone ever found themselves on the diet, but still, it's not really happening, I'm not feeling it yet, something is still off? Yeah, I'm sure we all have. All the time, for me. Whenever I'm feeling a bit thin or flat or feeling like I'm swimming in the shallow water, you know, I'm feeling like nothing can get me out of this. I end up asking the questions of like, I read the Bible, I do this for a living, but something is still off. What's, what's going on? Jesus, what must I do to find that life abundant? So our question is really why? What is he missing? What's happening? Why can't he find the life that he's looking for? Which is really to ask, what are we missing? What's holding us back? Why can't we find the life we're looking for? And now when it comes to this character, we're told that Jesus kind of intuitively sees the problem. And Mark, the storyteller, he tells us what's going on later on. And what was this guy's problem? What was stopping? And we find out at the very, very end, it's the very last line. And I love, I love how this translation puts it. He was holding on to things too tightly. And not about to let go. He was holding on to things too tightly. And it's there. In that very last line that we can find the thing that this story has to offer us about what we're supposed to wear. About the thing that can help draw us in deeper and deeper into that abundant and eternal life. And I think we can hear the wisdom this story is offering us through something like this. Whenever you're struggling to enter into life abundance and life eternal, Whenever that's difficult to not work in, look at your knuckles. Because here's the thing about that life abundant and life eternal. If this faith is all about life before death, if it's all about movement towards wholeness, if it's all about deepening our experience, if it's all about opening ourselves up to possibility, about getting them caught up in what God's Spirit is doing in this world and letting that Spirit lead us deeper and deeper into new life. If we hold on to part of ourselves and lives too tightly, whether that's our relationship with God, our relationships with our partners or our families, our relationships like in this story with our wealth, or maybe with our jobs, our past, our futures, our expectations, whatever it is. If we white-knuckle those things, what are we doing? What happens? 
we stop ourselves from entering into the very thing we're seeking. Because the thing is, if you hold on too tightly, if your knuckles are white, we leave no room for possibility. We leave no room for liberation. We leave no room for new truths. We leave no room for change. We leave no room for hope. If we hold on to things too tightly, we're taking away the space for that very spirit to move and lead us forward. So for those of us seeking that light, this story reminds us of one of the bigger struggles of being human. And let's just own that. This is going to be a struggle. This part is hard. That one of the big struggles of being human in the way that Jesus calls us to be is learning to let go. It's learning to surrender. And uncurl our fists and let all that energy we spend doing this be guided towards taking us into something that is new and different and pure and good. It's learning to hold our lives and everything in them loosely, to open up our grips, to feel the weight of whatever we're holding, but never closing in on it, always leaving enough room for God to do something, always surrendering to where that spirit is going to lead us, always leaving enough room to be guided into new life. So if you're here this morning, and like this guy in the story, you're feeling like you're missing something, if you're feeling like you're just not finding the life you're after, if you're going, Jesus, what must I do to find eternal life? Take a look at your knuckles. Are they white? Are your hands tired? Are you holding on to something too tightly? Is that stopping you from being led forward? If you're here this morning, you've got a death grip on anger and resentment. Maybe it's time to let go. If you're here and you're squeezing an old wound for everything that it's worth, maybe it's time to let go. Maybe it's time to start practicing forgiveness. If you're here and you're clenching an idea or a way of thinking, Maybe it's time to loosen up your grip and learn to listen. If you're here holding tightly to being right, maybe it's time to let up and know that that's not the most important thing in the world. If you're here this morning and your knuckles are white, may you hear the truth that this story has to offer us. You don't need to live like that. You do not need to live like that. You're not going to get anywhere by holding on to things too tightly. So if you are here struggling to find that life abundant and eternal, a life that hums with reverence, may you choose to loosen your grip on life. May you open your hands up. May you let that spirit in. And may that spirit lead you forward. Amen.